Hello, everybody, and welcome to InEvent Talks, a podcast powered by Eventland. This season, we feature the most futuristic and technologically advanced leaders speaking candidly about their experiences with event tech. Grab a drink, press play, and join the conversation. I am Deji Oshikoya, and it's great to have you here with us. Hello, everyone. It's Vinny here. It's a beautiful day outside, but here with me, I have a special guest uh, that are going to talk to us many things about event industry. So Melba has established herself as one of the leading event planners in the U.S. with over 20 years in the live events industry. As the founder of her company, Let Joy Plans, she has coordinated events for budgets that exceeds $1 billion a day, servicing mission-focused organization and discerning clients globally. Recognized as an event industry thought leader, Melba is the proud recipient of the 2022 Event Industry Council Global Social Impact Award. In recognition of her commitment to diversity and inclusion within the events industry. We're going to talk a lot about inclusion, diversity, uh, social impact today. And it's a pleasure. Thank you, Melba, so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here and to see you again. It's been a little while, right? Yes, yes. Uh, we have all those events that we attend together. Mm-hmm. Max, Beast Bash. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which one is your most excited or what? Do you, what's the one that you recommend for event planner? It's so hard to pick a favorite because our industry is so dynamic. But what I would say is Biz Bash and IMAX, they absolutely do an amazing job because they understand how to curate meaningful content and to leave unstructured time for networking. Because I believe, and I think a lot of us know that networking and connecting with our colleagues, relationship building is so important for our industry. Yes, uh, we are design events also for networking. And when we attend those events, we also want to see the same, when I feel the same, that's great. So what's your plan for this year? Are you planning to attend those events again? You don't know yet. Do you have a, a calendar? Well, you know what? Best best laid plans. So here's what I'll tell you. Um, since COVID, and I think a lot of us are feeling this, there's been the event boom. And for my business, we are booming. Uh, thankfully, knock on wood, do all of the things. And so um, I'd like to get out. I know for sure I'll be going to IMAX in the fall in October. Um, I'd love to go to some Biz Bash events. And in 2024, I've got to hit up PCMA's uh, convening leaders. I think that's a really good one for meeting planners. So um, I'm going to be living out of a suitcase, and I'm completely okay with that. (laughs) That's awesome. You were just talking about also like your personal life live in between the U.S. and Europe. Uh, how is it for you? Is it easy to pick up some uh, calls with meetings with customers when it's like a late in Europe, it's early in the U.S.? Well, good question. But first, I have to say bonjour to my Shelly, Emmanuel. I love you. Yes, I'm that wife who is very in love with my husband. Um, so thank you for letting me do that. What I will say is, so when I'm in Paris, um, I'm six hours ahead in the U.S., But here's the thing, I made a lifestyle choice for me and my family, but that wasn't my client's choice. So I work East Coast hours, which does mean 
Sometimes I'm working 10, 11 o'clock at night, but I'm also not a solopreneur. I have an amazing team. We have um, a clear understanding, clear communications of roles and responsibilities, right? So our clients know that if they can't reach me, I have the best team to ever do it. So that's how we we feed off of each other. We feed off of each other. Nice. And they, they also uh, are working on like New York time zone, right? Yes. So LaJoy Plans is based on the East Coast. We service folks globally um, and we work to the pleasure of our clients. So we work within within some boundaries, but if they need us, they can always reach us. Perfect. And you mentioned uh, this word that we live in post-COVID. Um, you, we see in-person events booming. Uh, how really change in your uh, planning structure? You planning to like a lot of sanitizers and social distance or not that much? I kind of feel like saying, how much time do you have? Okay, so here's what I'm going to say. Since COVID, there's a couple of things. Number one, probably the number one thing is our clients are always now exploring the hybrid solution because people got very, very comfortable with, wait a minute, I can experience this fantastic conference from my living room. I think I'll do that and save the money on the travel. I'll, you know, that, right? So hybrid, hybrid, hybrid is huge for us. The second thing I would say is, you know, some of the cleanliness practices that COVID forced all of us to do, mm, we probably should have been doing anyway. Like, I, I don't want to say, but some of us are kind of nasty. I'm, I'm just saying. So, um, independently, right? Like, uh, of the virus, but yeah. there's two other viruses over there. Like, yeah, we probably should have been doing people. some of this. So, our clients still expect um, a high quality of cleanliness. So, they still want to see the sanitizers. They still want to see the wipes. They still want to visibly know that people are considering that. And then I would say probably the third thing is that while people want to get together, like people need people, we've got to hug, we've got to connect, but the experience, like the opportunities to network is critical. So you can't just have content, 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 breathe, content, content. You've got to have structured networking time. And I could go on and on and on, but we've got lots to talk about. So why don't you ask me another question? No, yeah, but that's very important. So how do we catch more of the attendees' attention? And you also mentioned uh, some people, they don't want to spend with travel. Uh, the inflation, it's... It's it's real. Like uh, We see the, the, the pricing of hotels, the flights are getting expensive. So uh, first, for people that are going person, what are your most, most things to do to catch their attention? Like uh, either they're in a content or not a content uh, session. Is there something special that you try to bring? Yeah, there's two things that I'm advising clients to do immediately. Number one, let's start planning or let's continue planning with intention. And by that, I mean, before you launch your great event, let's check that theory that it's actually great. And so we encourage our clients, particularly our member organizations, to survey their audience to get a temperature if there's even a need for the event. So let's say there's a need for the event. Then I'm going to say that structured TED Talk style programming is what we're seeing. It's not new, but you've got to be able to convey your message, get that presenter who can summarize their key points in 10 to 15 minutes. 
And I would also add that audience participation. So people have to feel like if I go to this event, I'm going to have an experience, but I'm also going to actively engage with the superstars of the industry. So it can no longer be, I have a keynote. I'm so wonderful. You could be wonderful, but guess what? I'm going to need you to take some questions. I'm going to need you to be present at the reception. So I would say, pull your folks first and then design an experience that you would want to go to. That's true. That's true. And even sometimes the, the way you position your stage, right? Make sure your speaker is close to the audience. They will feel like uh, there is no such a big gap between us. We are all part of the same community. Uh -huh. Connection. Yeah. Perfect. And uh, if you could uh, share with us any of those uh, bad stories that happen on events, <laughs> something that happened recently or something you're giving out your career, that uh, you were planning something in your mind was perfect. But we know events is all about like having a plan B, plan C, and all of those plans like uh, was like frog. Yeah, the domino. So I'm going to tell a oldie but a goodie. So my career actually started um, with a radio station. And I started at the lowest level. If I was an assistant, I'm probably being nice about that. And one of the events as I worked my way up, I was a stage manager was for the late um, rapper DMX. And it was one of my top concerts. I mean, he was really a big deal then, right? And we had all of these um, plans of how he was going to get on stage and all of the things, right? There's only one problem. Nobody could find him when it was time to perform. <laughs> no one could find him. And so... We, But do you know the person that was already at the venue? Like, uh, um, We thought he was. Oh. We thought he was, but he wasn't. And so as a result, that particular concert started really late. There were some security situations. It was a whole thing. And P.S. MTV was recording it. I mean, this was this is really, really great. So while it ultimately it worked out, the learning, because I think every bad experience yeah. has a learning, is assign someone to your VIPs. I was so early in my career and I was so focused on the schedule, mm -hmm. it didn't occur to me, oh, we actually need people, like a handler for your VIPs. That's what I would say. <laughs> Then a more recent event, I will say, is make sure we had an event. Oh, it was going to be lovely. All of the things, blah, 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 blah. Except the MC had it on their calendar for a week later. And so the event... How do you control that? Like, uh, was someone that had sent the wrong invite? or Someone who was not me or a member of my team <laughs> yeah. sent the wrong invite. And in that moment, it could have gone really, really bad. It was high stress. So we deputized the board of directors, gave him the script. And we just went with it. So the lesson there is if you have a responsibility for the show to double check, even if you're not the person directly Assign, responsible. Yeah. No. I That's... could go on and on, but that was. No, yeah, mm. th those are perfect lessons. Yeah, we 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 are learning every, every moment, every time with those small mistakes, those small problems that happen. But but we see some big problems in society uh, Uh, that one of them is inclusive and, and diversity. Mm -hmm. so how do you see this picture in the events industry? How can we make the events industry more diverse, more inclusive? Uh, what, what, what we are missing? Uh, 
I think I think a lot of things. So first, I will say, in general, regardless of industry, you actually just have to care. You actually just have to have the posture that the way that we've been doing things, like all one race, all one gender, all one sexuality, like it's not real. And so I believe the events industry is a people industry. It is an industry about innovation and creativity. And so if you accept those things, if you love the industry like I do, you know that we can't continue without being diverse. So step one is actually care. And then once you care, you need to actively engage in every interaction and ask yourself a very simple question. Who is not in the room? Who have we not considered? And so obviously I'm a black woman. I'm very proud of that. So I think about it from that lens. But what about the disabled person? What about the person where English is not their first language? What about the person who may be identifying or transitioning? How are they using the restroom? And I think that we are uniquely equipped because we are people people, we love people, to ask ourselves who is not in the room, who is not being considered, and develop a plan that honors our diversity. There is no other way. There could be another way, but I hate to say it, it's the wrong way. So just care. Nice. Yeah. It's all started with like uh, this empathy and really um, understand the word, right? Like uh, we are all different people. And again, this question is perfect. Who is not in the room? So we can bring this person. We can either create uh, more space, right? Or we can switch. Uh, but I, yeah, I feel first there is a lot of opportunities to grow the the pie it's not like oh we, you needed to give up everything no you needed to make sure we're going to include it and to everyone will have an opportunity my grandmother said or maybe my mom said it because i don't want her to get me later but they said there's enough sun out here that we can all shine that's is, is actually true right so true. and so i would also add that if you are someone who identifies with otherness and you have access in a room, you're at the table, you're in the board meeting, bring somebody else along. So if I'm in a room and I'm black and I'm female and I don't see anybody else like me, I'm probably gonna invite my mentee. Or if I'm transgender and I went to a concert and I don't see anybody like me, probably gonna say, here's an artist that you should consider. Create access. If you have access, create it, expand it. Sorry, I could go on and on. <laughs> no, that's perfect. So um, is there something that we needed to discuss more? Do you think we are discussing this topic enough or it's more we are missing, we are lacking more uh, doing things, you know, like we, we have been talking a lot, maybe not doing a lot. I think um, I would want to check the data. So to your point, and I think it's a fair point, we do a lot of talking. They do a lot of talking. I want to know if that is shifting the actual representation. So I am not right in this moment educated enough to know, do we actively see more diversity in the C-suite? Are we seeing more diversity in our um, speaker panels? Are we et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? So I do think, because for some people, right, oh, this conversation again, oh, this, yeah, this, again, 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 until we actually see some real data that the shift is happening. 
And I would argue that we know the shift isn't fully happening because we still have horrific news about um, hate and violence and et cetera, et cetera, against communities of otherness, be it Asian, be it Black, be it gay, et cetera. So clearly we need to keep talking, but we have to implement some tangible actions in our industry. Yeah, that's, again, it started with caring, right? Like we needed to care about uh, people in general, like uh, not just one group, but all groups, how we are making them feel um, they are important, you know, like. Uh, and seen and valued. Yeah. That's perfect. And uh, with your uh, vast experience industry, with your company and manage like a event from 10 people, what was the biggest one? 60,000 people? 60, about 60,000. Mm -hmm. What what, what excited you most uh, recently, for example, with even uh, considering the, the inclusive topic, uh, which event was like a more excited for you that you were able to see like a, this diversity and inclusiveness, very clear picture? I'm about to blow your mind right now because the event happened in New York. Oh, um, and let me say all of my clients are special and wonderful, but this one, this was something else. So this organization, the name is Avenues for Justice. They have existed for 40 years and their whole, their whole um, reason for being is to help empower people that look like me, maybe look like you, to have a second chance beyond their juvenile misdemeanor, right? And so last year, last fall, I had the honor to sit side by side with them as they curated this beautiful experience called the Second Chance Experience. And they honored someone who, his name is Jason Flo, who's a um, justice advocate. But for me, the moment that was so special is they honored a participant of their program. And I may not have all of the details to the fact, but essentially she is, this is in New York, she's from New York, um, got involved into gang violence, was a young mother. Her mother was also a young mother, um, was facing a lot of time. Avenues for Justice came in and gave her a different way. And now she is headed on a different path. And when she was given the award, she was given the award by someone who works at Avenues for Justice, who was her 10 years ago. Oh. So for me, I'm almost like getting emotional about yeah. this. So you have a woman who 10 years prior went to jail, was a teenage mom, who is helping another young lady of color to have a second chance. 10 years later, right? Like 10 a... years later. And it continues and they've been doing it for 40 years. Oh. And so imagine if we, we were all like that. Imagine if we approached interacting with people who they may not look the part or fit in the box, or maybe they're a little rough around the edges. And if we showed them empathy and if we approached everybody with an opportunity to consider that they could have a second chance. How much better would we be? And for me, sitting there, watching, we, there was a video, there was all of the things. That was one of the most powerful events I have seen in recent years. Nice. And uh, do you see companies 
approaching those organizations to uh, partner with them, you know, like uh, big brands, why they talk so much about inclusive and, and sometimes they don't know exactly how to do it, right? Like uh, it's, it's not easy sometimes because they don't understand, they don't have the right people, but uh, there is people, like there are the people doing this in the right way. Why don't you partner with that and really put your brand there? Because that's gonna be so valuable. Well, for this particular client, and I hope I'm saying this right, um, the MBA Foundation, I'm almost positive this, gave them money to continue their work. So to your point, now I don't know enough about the MBA Foundation to know what their strategy or how they do it every day, but they invested in this organization so that they could do the work. So for people who may not know if you're a high net worth individual, invest in an avenues for justice. If you're a company, a corporation, invest in the avenues for justice. So I think that's a part of it. You don't have the tools, but you got the money, put your money over there. Yeah, that's a very powerful tool, money. <laughs> I'm just saying, put your cash there. Yeah, and that's will start to like uh, make a whole big difference in the data that we are seeing. Like, uh, yes. Like uh, how... Uh, this community are, are being empowered, how those communities getting out of this ex exclusive, like a uh, excludent uh, zones, right? Like uh, we're going to see more of them everywhere, but not, we don't, we won't need to talk about this anymore because we'll, we'll be doing this so much that uh, we'll be part of the society. My dad used to say Melvin, who I'm named after, he used to say money has two purposes. And I would say, what daddy? He said, um, money can be a gateway to oppression or it can be a gateway to opportunity. So for all the wealthy folks watching this, hearing this, opportunity. Okay, that's my last PSA. You're welcome. No, that's perfect. And, and uh, as you talk about your dad, uh, what are your uh, strong thinking? Like when you were a child, you were like a thinking, oh, I'm going to be this, I'm going to do that when I grow up and how it's <sighs> changed compared to where you are right now. Like, is it better now or are you were expecting even more? You were, do you have a lot of dreams? Um, that's a lot of questions. So first let me say, I'm gonna tell you the honest answer. My mom knows this. So I very much wanted to be an Egyptologist. This is actually a profession. I was on a full campaign. Um, clearly I didn't do it, right? <laughs> and then I morphed in because people used to refer to me as little Joyce. My mother is Joyce. Um, so everything she did, I wanted to do. And so I thought I would be in education and that's all of my degrees, right? So clearly I didn't do that. I did, but then I shifted. You did your art, right? Art was your Well, I did history, administration, history. and education. So right. I did do that. And this is my second career. But to answer your question, um, this season in my life is the best season in my life. Best season in my life. I like to call this, this is my revival. Now, I won't date myself, but I'm not 20. Okay. <laughs> I know, shocking, right? <laughs> but um, my life, and it has not been easy, but my life has exceeded my expectations. And so in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm just getting started. So that's what I will say. So what I would tell someone like my younger self, like whatever you're holding on to and you think, ooh, I'm gonna marry this man and I'm gonna do this fit, like let all of that go and let life surprise you. Nice, so uh, and uh, 
look into what do you believe is going to happen next with the event industry. We have talked a lot about metaverse. Do you think this is real for this moment or still a lacking of uh, infrastructure, of uh, internet bandwidth to support that? Or And even like people, right? People, maybe they still want to way more face-to-face. I think um, I think the way of the future is going to be hybrid. I think that, you know, from different generations, the in-person isn't going to go away forever, right? I think hybrid is what's going to carry us through for the next five, 10 years. I'm sure there's technologies being developed that I don't even know about. I also think that smaller gatherings, smaller educational gatherings, like rich content with a cohort, kind of like a grad school model, is going to be something that we're going to see. And I also think we're going to see less annual events, largely because organizations won't have the resources, be it people or financial, to put it on. Um, I think we'll see more biannual. That's what I think. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. I think makes sense. And also the, yeah, what you said, especially finance or people both are, uh, we, we seen struggle. Uh, I was just thinking about like, for example, Apple, they release an iPhone every year, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not looking to change my iPhone every year. You don't want to see my phone. Let's just leave it there. I had the Blackberry before I have the phone that I have now. I'm yeah. on a zero. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> So yeah, exactly. So, and that comes to the sustainability topic, right? We cannot be a sustainable world. Like if you're changing your devices every year uh-huh. and it's the same that you said about events, imagine building like events for 10,000, 50,000, 60,000 people every year. There's a lot of waste. There's a lot of waste and, um, PSA global warming is real. And so events that don't have a sustainability strategy um, shouldn't persist. We won't make it. I don't want to be morbid, but we have to be thoughtful. Food insecurity is real. So food waste is a problem. Resources, um, lack of resources is real. So we probably shouldn't have. I remember I actually found it from... 2002 maybe a program book program book that was 300 pages because they printed in the book the presentations like you know i'm i'm sad to say i was a part of that that was maybe the signs of the time but we can't continue to be that way and here's the beauty of technology we don't have to be that way so we need to be sustainable because i i want to be around and I want my attendees to be around, but we need to be responsible for for this gift that is Earth. Yes, for sure. And um, uh, is there any innovation that I have have you seen that impacts very strongly on on sustainability? For example, in Vegas, we had now the the tunnel that connects some of the pavilions. Okay. I don't know if you have tried. Yeah, no, say more. Uh, there's this Tesla's um, in the in the ground. They create like a tunnel that can drive you on both ways of the the trade show. So they, they are all electric cars. Oh. And they are working like uh, probably in the future we'll be working even completely autonomous. So uh, any particular innovation that you that have you seen or you, would you like to see in the 
in the event industry to impact this the sustainability? One thing that's deep on my mind, and I don't think I'm the only person, is getting a handle on our food waste. We all know, particularly, and we get it, right? Hotels, you submit a guarantee, you say 100 people are coming, but only 50 eat. They can't give it to shelters, and so there's all that waste. Um, so my challenge to someone listening is help us think about a way that we can manage that food waste. For me, when I think about, I think COVID highlighted how real poverty is, how real food insecurity is, to not have a solution for events that are fabulous and all of those things around food waste, I'd love for us to get that right. So usually when people go to those events, they just order food for everyone or Sometimes you ask who was the It's kind of like you don't want to also ask, right? That question. Oh, you you ask, but I've never seen an event, and this is to no fault of anyone. People cancel. I I've yeah. actually seen the opposite, which can be bad too when you run out of food. So I'm just saying, if we know that food consumption is going to happen post event, let's just have a plan that doesn't put anybody in a legally precarious situation for the waste. That's all. That's on my bucket list. Yes, we, we definitely want to build something like uh, for the event industry, not only the event industry, right? Like for the whole society, how can we mm-hmm. reduce uh, waste, food waste? Very important. And so what's going to be the next big challenge for your career? Uh, do you think there is something that uh, you would like to, to achieve next? Is this something? So I'm working on something. Yeah. I am working on yeah, something. Nice. I'll share a little bit. So um, thanks to COVID, and I, I don't say that to minimize the impact of COVID, I started um, speaking more, writing more, all of the things. And I realized um, that maybe there are lessons learned that I can share with new professionals coming into the industry. And so without giving too much away, next month, wait a minute, what month is this? March, I'm gonna release um, a video series to help people um, think through their professional journey. That's one thing. So I think um, in the future, what I see for my personal career is doing more of that mentorship doing more of that coaching. I already coach an organization now to help them think about how to get their events department to scale. And the reason why I'm excited about it is I want my industry to be vibrant. You know, we lost a lot of talent because of COVID, because of bad, bad behavior related to work-life balance. And I want my industry to have a shot. That's perfect. Are you producing this by your own? You have um, another company? Now, I said I would give a little bit away. Not everything. No, I'm not <laughs> producing it, um, but I am writing it, and I'm excited about it. And that's what you get. Nice. And I'll send it to you. Perfect. Yeah, send to us, all of us. We want to see that. And that's perfect because also it's a way to make our impacts thriving. Uh, even when we go up from this life, we'll have all this video on YouTube, on social media, that people can take advantage of our own expertise. And we are seeing now like with ChatGPT, all this AI uh-huh. uh, 
the, the opportunities are endless. Like the, the things we can create it, it's endless, but I'll, at the same time, we needed to care again about like creating the real opportunity, right? For people. It's what you leave behind. That's the Melvin in me. That's my dad in me. Perfect. And, um, what do you think, uh, the event industry has changed to, to meet those new challenges? Uh, either your challenges or society challenge, do you think, uh, we, there is something that, uh, it's, it's a big mistake we are making yet, uh, in terms of, uh, understanding the problems we are facing right now, especially, I believe sustainability, right? Something big uh, and all the, the, the impact of the, the, it's getting, things are getting uh, real, real expensive. So, um, do we need to, as you said, like make the industry with more professionals, like uh, bring new professionals to the industry or working with the professionals that are in the industry to uh, create new, new solutions? So I would say a couple of things. So we talked about sustainability. We talked about diversity. The other thing where I think that industry can improve is we need to like bury, let the hustle culture die. And by that, I mean, we're not going to attract new talent. We're not going to retain new talent if we glorify the burning the midnight oil, the sleeping in a supply closet, eating chips and like, oh, I nailed it. We have to um, provide people in leadership positions with the tools to be humane managers. And we have to be... Um, our advocates, our advocates for making sure that how you interact with hospitality professionals, that there's some boundaries there, mm -hmm. right? We're the make it happen captain, but we haven't been our advocates that you can't just call me at 2 a.m. You can't just ask me to do an event within a week. You can't berate me because you had red instead of rose-colored flowers. And so I think the industry would um, attract the talent that we desire if we empowered our managers to be advocates for work-life balance and demanded that from people who interact with us. It's not to say we can't be creative and troubleshoot, but there is a limit. And I think a lot of people left the industry, COVID aside, because they were burned out. And so if we want to build our industry up, we need to figure out how not to encourage the burnout. That's perfect. Yeah, that's uh, incredible. And uh, it's amazing topic to, to discuss with you. Uh, your answer was perfect. Is there anything else you want to share with us before we wrap up here? Uh, it was so fast. <laughs> oh, uh, goodness. Let's see. What would I say? I would say this to a new... Um, and maybe even a mature event professional, I would say choose this industry every day and be open to the shifts, right? So I think for your mature professional, part of the challenge is, oh, the technology or, oh, I want to hold on to the way that I used to do it. No, be open to the shift. And for the emerging professional, be open to learning and being humbled. And when you do those things and it goes like this, and sometimes people make you want to pull your hair out, um, be rooted in your why. 
because your why isn't connected to a particular event or a particular person. If you choose the industry every day like I did, people can't take that from you. And that will keep you when it's competing deadlines, when you're not getting the calls that you want. Always be rooted in your why, stay humble, and never ever be afraid to keep learning. How's that? <laughs> That's perfect, my wife. Okay. So that was an amazing conversation here with Melva LaJoy LeGrand, uh, our special guest this this day. And we're going to have way more in-event talks coming up soon. But I hope you had enjoyed like me. And of course, if you want to get in touch with her, uh, you can find her on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, all social medias. And she's always open like a perfect person for, for share ideas, share new topics. Thank you so much, Melva. Thank you. This is fun. Awesome. See you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to In Event Talks, a podcast by Eventland. If you're interested in joining our global community for event profs, use hashtag Eventland to find us on social media. Until next time, have a lovely day.